0: Imagine the prototypical American childhood, with games of catch on the front lawn and the father tucking his son into bed every night. Well, mine was much cooler than that. What can I say? I was lucky. Around the time I was born, my dad's broadcasting career really began to take off. The Cardinals fired their lead broadcaster, Harry Carey, making my father the undisputed voice of the Cardinals on the radio. He also did NFL games for CBS TV and radio for many years. We got along so well. When I was three years old, he would let me sit in his office while he did radio interviews on the phone. As long as I stayed quiet. I always stayed quiet. I could tell when his voice got deeper and more precise that he was doing an interview and not just talking to a friend on the phone. I was as happy as I could be just sitting there watching him. I could not think of anything better than being with him. I was too worried about consequences to ever get into real trouble. He was too consumed by fun to worry about disciplining me. He mostly left that to my mom. Truthfully, even though he was 44 when I was born, he was more like my best friend than my dad. When I was little, he came up with a nickname for me, Jasper Pennypucker. But after that, he always called me Buck. He took me everywhere. Some kids go to summer camp. I did that, and I hated it. So instead, I went to Cardinals baseball games. When I was four, the Cardinals catcher saw this little guy with an enormous head bounding through the clubhouse, acting like he lived there, and asked, Who is that kid? Somebody said, Oh, that's Jack's kid. That's Joe. That was the first time I met Tim McCarver. When I was three or four, I got excited about something at a Cardinals game, which was a problem because, A, I knocked over a Coke. B, I was in the press box, not in the stands, and see, The coke landed on my father and his radio partner while they were on the air. They didn't know what happened. They thought somebody came in and just threw something down on them. They turned around in the middle of the broadcast and looked at me. I burst out crying, thinking I would just ruined everything for everybody. But they kept doing the game. All I wanted as long as I could remember was to be him. When he was home, we'd eat dinner, go downstairs, and play pool against each other. He treated me like his buddy. At other times, we'd get in the car and drive to his other house in town. We'd walk up to the front door, and when it opened, there'd be a woman with some older kids inside. They were my dad's first family. We were there to drop off a check for alimony and child support. I was scared to death. Everybody there gave me the distinct, uncomfortable feeling that I wasn't wanted. I didn't understand why at the time, but I represented something painful in their lives. When my parents met, my mom was a Broadway actress and my dad was a married man. My mom's name was Carol Linsnick, stage name Carol Lindsay, and she was doing a musical with a touring company in her hometown of St. Louis. He was talking to her on a payphone outside of the Chase Park Plaza Hotel, home to one of the hottest bars in St. Louis in the 60s, when she told him she was pregnant. I feel like my knees are melting into the pavement, he said. He already had six children with his wife, Alice. He left her and, by extension, them for my mom. They got married in March 1969. One month later, she gave birth to a boy with a large head who cried a lot, probably because he was born bald. That was me, obviously.